the book of John, please, John's Gospel. And we're going to skip across a few. We've bit of, quite a bit of reading this morning. In John's Gospel, chapter 13, please. The subject and title this morning is The Echo of the Love of Christ. The Echo of the Love of Christ. Now, while you're looking up John's Gospel, chapter 13, I just want to read one verse. You don't need to turn to it, and you'll all know it as soon as I mention it. It's in First John, chapter 4, and verse 19. And it says, we love him, the Lord Jesus. We love him because he first loved us. And my title this morning, The Echo of the Love of Christ, comes from a, a, a quote, a quotation from an old Puritan called Thomas Manton. And Thomas Manton, on this verse, we love him because he first loved us, said this, love is like an echo, it returneth what it receiveth. Love is like an echo, it returneth what it receiveth. John's Gospel, chapter 13, and let's just pick a couple of verses out and we'll explain uh, a little later. Let your eye please run down. Verse 21. When Jesus had thus said, he was troubled in spirit. Imagine the Lord Jesus being troubled in spirit. Just think about that. He was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you that one of you shall betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Peter, Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask who it should be of whom he spake. Then he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? And Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop. When I have dipped it, and when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. Now our second reading, please, if you will go to John chapter 19. We have quite a bit of reading to do this morning, but it's for a reason. And let your eye run down to verse 25. John 19, verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Cleophas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Now will you go with me to John's Gospel, chapter 20, please. Beginning to read at verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and saith the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have led him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre, so they ran both together. 
And the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulchre and saith the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again unto their own home. Would you go to chapter 21, please? And verse 3. Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. They say unto him, We also go with thee. They went forth and entered into a ship immediately. That night they caught nothing. When the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore. The disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Then Jesus saith unto them, Children, have ye any meat? They answered him, No. He saith unto them, Cast ye the net on the right side of the ship, and ye shall find. And they cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, It is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girt his fisher's coat unto him, for he was naked, and did cast himself into the sea. Let's arrive on down, please, just to verse 20. Then Peter, turning about, saith the disciple whom Jesus loved, following, which also leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, which is he that betrayeth thee? Peter, seeing him, saith to Jesus, Lord, and what shall this man do? Jesus saith unto him, if I will that he tarry till I come, what is that to thee? Follow thy me. Let's pray. Father, Your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We love your word. We love all of it. We love your son, your only begotten. And Father, we ask you now, through the power and the person of the Holy Spirit, we pray that you would open up your scriptures to our hearts. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may see our ears that we may hear, our minds that we may perceive, our hearts that we may believe. Lord, we love you because you first loved us. Father, draw us close to you this morning. Bless those that aren't here this morning and can't be with us. And those that are ill, will you meet them at the point of their need? And those that are still mourning, Father, will you bless them where they are? And glorify the Lord Jesus. His name's sake we pray. Amen. Did a bit of a reading there, but there's a pattern through this. I don't know if you noticed it. John 13, John 19, John 20, John 21. We see a pattern there, and the pattern is this. John, the writer of John's gospel, is saying that he knew that he was the disciple whom Jesus loved. He knew Jesus loved him. And that's what mattered. He was the disciple whom Jesus loved. For example, in John 13 is when the Lord is instituting 
what we know as the Last Supper, where he breaks bread and he gives it to the disciples. It's there that he gives that sop that we read about, and, and, and John is lying on his breast at supper. Now, when we talk about lying, we think of, we always think of the old paintings where they're sitting, Jesus is there, and all the disciples along the table like this, like you and I would sit. That's not the way they sat. They lay on the floor with one arm, usually the left, and they ate with the right, dipping from the table this way, sitting around it. You would have had Jesus. John would have been here, leaning on his breast. Talking like this, leaning on his breast. Who is it, Lord? Hearing the heartbeat of Christ. Hearing the heartbeat of the Son of God. Peter must have been somewhere here to look to John, to signify, ask the Master, who will betray thee? And Jesus, dipping in the sop, gives it to Judas Iscariot. How did he do that? Because the old backstabber must have been behind him. It's for you. It's for you. And so John here says that he is, and in John chapter 13, uh, he says he is one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Notice the term, one of the disciples. So John isn't saying, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved, and Jesus loved no one but me. John is not saying that. John is saying, I'm one of the disciples in his gospel in chapter 13. I'm one of those whom he loves. Brothers and sisters, does that not encourage you this morning? That you're one of those whom he loves. That Jesus loves you. He loves me. I know he loves me. That's not arrogance. That's because he's proven his love to me. I know he loves me. I'm assured of his love for me. And you need to be assured before you leave here this morning. In your heart. Because that's what gets me through. Knowing that even in my uh, failures and my faults and my imperfections, he still loves me. He still loves me. He died for me. Now, we know that we try to walk right before God. We don't uh, advocate for anyone to walk in an open course of sin. We don't believe in that. We believe in walking right before God. But I know that Jesus loves me. No matter how many times I go wrong or he fails me, or I fail him, pardon me, I know he loves me. In my weakest moments, he loves me. And then all the times that I have brought trouble to him, he loves me. He loves me. He loves me. Notice this. The disciple whom Jesus loved. You see, John starts writing this because borrowing from the old Puritan Thomas Mountain and uh, and the saying of we love him because he first loved us. That love is like an echo. It returneth what it receiveth. John loved Jesus because Jesus first loved John. And it was like an echo in the heart of John. John was there in in chapter 13 with Christ at that wonderful table, taking and partaking of what Jesus had for him. I want you to know this morning that when we break bread, as we did earlier, you know, we're telling Jesus, we know you love us because you did this for us. Your body was broken for us. Your blood was shed for us. You love me. Imagine someone like me. Now, you can put yourself there if you want and if you will, but I think of it. Imagine someone like me that Jesus would love me. That Jesus would love me and die for me. That Jesus would love someone like me. It's way past my finding out. Beyond my understanding, but I know 
Like the little course we sang with the children when we you're maybe in Sunday school or the children's meeting, yes, Jesus loved me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loved me. How do you know, Ken? The Bible tells me so. Notice here, John says he's one of the disciples whom Jesus loved in John 13. In John 19, in verse 26, John 19 and verse 26, if you want to look at it, I want you to catch this now. It says, When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Notice then he saith to the disciple, Behold thy mother. Notice here, Jesus is entrusting his mother to John. Now let me get this straight before we go further, for we will look at it, God willing, a little more in a moment. Here in, in Ulster in Northern Ireland, there are many, especially from a loyalist background, and they belittle Mary because it's in opposition to what the Roman Catholic Church did and almost a deification or, uh, 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 of Mary. And they call her names. Brothers and sisters, that's wrong. This is our Lord's mother. She should be respected. She's a sinner like you and I. She says in Mary's Magnificat, as it's known as, my soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. Mary needed a Savior. But yet she should be respected. And for those from a, a, a loyalist background is to, to bring her down and to say derogatory terms about her, that is our Lord's mother. Notice he entrusts his mother to John. In chapter 20 and verse 2, there, chapter 20 and verse 2, it says, And she runneth, then she, Mary Magdalene, runneth and cometh to Simon and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved. Now notice in chapter 13, he's one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. In chapter 19, he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. And now in chapter 20 and verse 2, He's the other disciple whom Jesus loved. He's with Peter. He knows the Lord loved Peter. Dear blessers, he had to love Peter with the way Peter got on sometimes, just like you do and I do. And John says, I know he loves Peter, but I know I'm the other disciple that he loves. He's one of the disciples. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. He's the other disciple when he's with Peter. And look at it in chapter 21, please, and verse 7. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Here again he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. See how he goes back and forward depending on the narrative of the story. And then in verse 20, then Peter turning about saith the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Here's something else that we want to look at. In chapter 13, he's leaning. He's leaning at the table with Jesus. In chapter 19, he is standing at the cross. See, he's one of the disciples in the room. But when he gets to the foot of the cross, he done it for me. He's one of the disciples whom Jesus loves in the room with them. But when he's at the cross, and there's no name mentioned of other male disciples there but John. 
He's standing at the cross, at the foot of the cross. He's watching it all. And he says there, standing, watching the Son of God bleed and die, he says he is the disciple whom Jesus loved. He did it for me. You see, when you're at the cross, brother, when you're at the cross, sister, it's not about this one and that one and the other one. You bring yourself. It's about you. It's for you. He did it for you, sister. He did it for me. And then notice here, and uh, he's at the cross, and then in chapter 21, and verse 7, he's at the, pardon me, chapter 20, and verse 2, pardon me, he's at the tomb. He's at the tomb. The other disciple he calls himself, he's at the tomb. Notice here, John is mentioning all to do with the cross, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Christ. And every one of it, he's either, he's the disciple whom Jesus loved. The disciple whom Jesus loved. He broke bread because he was going to the cross. Jesus loves me. He was instituting the new covenant. Jesus loves me. He took that and he uh, ratified it and he uh, completed it on the cross. Jesus loves me. He went to the tomb. Jesus loves me. He rose again. Jesus loves me. And then in chapter 21, he's at the shore. He's at the shore. The resurrected Christ now comes along the shoreline. Jesus loves me. He came back for me. Can you see the death, burial, resurrection, and even the coming again of Christ? He says, Jesus loves me. The echo of the love of Christ in the heart of John. The echo of the love of Christ in the heart of John caused John to follow on in verse 20 of chapter 21. Peter turns and the disciple whom Jesus loved is following on. The echo of the love of Christ caused him to go on. He's leaning in verse 13. He's standing in verse, chapter, pardon me, chapter 13. He's standing in chapter 19. He's running to the tomb in chapter 20. He's listening and revelation comes in chapter 21. It is the Lord, he says. And in chapter 21 and verse 20, he is following. Notice the disciple whom Jesus loved standing at the cross of Calvary, Golgotha. The echo of the love of Jesus in the heart of John brought him here. Think about this. We've been singing about it, but think about this. The barbarity of it. The barbarity of the cross. The cruelty. The ugliness of it all. Just think about this a minute. This is so glibly just washed over and we sing about it. But what does it mean to us? The horrific view, the gore, the mutilation, the pain, the agonies of the Lord. The horribleness of it all. The dangers that John faced of being associated with this man and the dangers of being near the accursed one hanging on a tree. You have to understand here, because if he didn't love Jesus enough, it would have been easier for John to walk away. It would be easier for John to hide in Jerusalem or leave Jerusalem and go somewhere else. It would be easier for John to go undercover. But you see, it was an echo of the love of Christ and his heart brought him to the cross. As the echo of the love of Christ kept him alive, as it were, in his heart with Christ for the tomb. 
And it was that same echo that seen him whenever he was on the shores of Galilee. It is the Lord, he cries. But it brought him to the cross. Do you know what brought you to the cross, brother, sister? Preaching of the word, absolutely. Do you know what brought you to the cross? The love of Jesus. The love of the Lord Jesus Christ for you. Notice this. It would have been easier for him to go. And yet there are at least four others mentioned around the cross. If you go to chapter 19, please. Verse 25. Now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Want to look at these women for a moment? Think about this now. Where was Peter? He's not mentioned. Where's the other disciples? They're not mentioned. But it was love, the echo of the love of Christ in the heart returned what it had received in the heart of John. For example, this uh, mother, uh, his mother's sister or the, the aunt of John. In Mark 5 and 40, we'll not read it now, but if you want to look it up when you go home, Matthew chapter 27 and verse 56, it tells us that this is a woman called Salome. Salome. So really, it's, it's the aunt of Jesus. Mary's sister. And three other Marys seemingly seem to be here. So first of all, Mary, his mother, mentioned her a little earlier, but notice the mother's love. Don't forget Mary at one point came to bring Jesus out of the house because they thought he had gone mad. Mary had her fainting fits. Yet she pondered things in her heart that, that, that happened at the, the virgin uh, birth, as it were, or even the conception of the, of the baby Jesus. And says, Mary pondered these things in her heart. Mary hid them in her heart. And it shows you that we can have the most wonderful spiritual times and experience in church or walking with the Lord or wherever we may be. And we ponder them and it feeds us for a while. And we realize them and, and we walk in the power of them. But sometimes, being a human, we tend to forget them. We tend to forget them. We tend to forget what God has done in the past. We tend to forget what he's done before and we tend to wane and to faint because we walk in our flesh and not in the spirit. Mary, his mother, is at the cross. I took a, a, a quotation from a, a poem written by Rudyard Kipling on Mary. Listen to this. If I were hanged on a highest hill, Mother o' oh mine, O oh mother o' oh mine, I know whose love would follow me still. Mother o' oh mine, O oh mother o' oh mine. And say all I want about her, but she was there to the end. She was there. 
And she was there when the baptism of the Holy Ghost came in Acts chapter 2. <laughs> she was there. Notice Mary, or maybe Mary, could not understand all of this. Remember in Luke chapter 2, it's prophesied a sword or a spear would go through her own soul. What greater spear would go through than watching the one she bore? Be beaten and crucified like that. But notice this. Maybe Mary could not understand, but she could love. I want you to get that now. Maybe Mary could not understand what was happening. Understand it all. Understand why he was going through this. Maybe she couldn't understand uh, why, why the, the big angel that came to her to prophesy and to proclaim that the Messiah would come from her uh, and why he wouldn't take him off the cross or why the, uh, his heavenly father wouldn't rescue him from the nails in his hands and in his feet. Maybe she couldn't understand it. But she could still love. Brothers and sisters, there's things in our life. I don't understand why my family died. And I prayed in faith for them. I don't understand it. And yet I go to another woman and she's raised up out of the bed with a family standing around it while my own father's on the bed dying. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. I don't understand why I pray for certain things and they haven't happened yet or for certain people and they haven't been healed yet or for certain things and it just hasn't come to pass yet. I don't understand it. But I'll still love him anyway. I will still love him anyway. I will still love Christ and I will still come to the cross where he bled and died for me. That's the echo of the love of Christ. Oh, how he affects how he affects the heart and he infects, as it were, the spirit. Talk about that minute. I don't know how many people, we've even noticed it, I'm sure it's everywhere, like, but the many people are down with infections. <laughs> what if the Lord came and infected us with his love? Fresh. Move of his spirit. What a change our lives would have. Secondly, we have mentioned here, and we'll look at uh, Jesus, his mother, and his mother's sister. We'll look at that in a moment. And Mary, the wife of Cleophas. Now, I've done a little digging, and very little is known of this lady. <coughs> to be honest, I can't tell you an awful lot more about her. Bits and pieces. There's supposition. People suppose. But this lady, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, she's not known really at all. But here's the striking fact. She may be unknown to me. She may be unknown to you. But for some reason, the Holy Spirit put her name there. And marked that she was at the cross. Do you know what that tells me? That tells me, you know, there's people that have been to the cross we know nothing about. <laughs> Maybe even loved ones dying at the last minute. Called in the name of the Lord we know nothing about. 
It tells me there are those who work and labor for the Lord out of love. The echo of the love of Christ is in their heart. And it tells me and shows me that even though it might not seem a big ministry or might not seem a big thing, a big issue as it were, it might not seem something big even in the church assembly. Maybe even you feel unrecognized and overlooked. But you know, it's marked in glory. And here's what else has been marked at the cross, that when you came to the cross, whenever length of time that was, whether it's like ran for weeks ago or someone here maybe years and years and years ago, that was marked that you'd been to Calvary. That ceiling, S-E-A-L-I-N-G, ceiling of the Holy Ghost in you, marks you that you've come under the blood and he knows you no matter where you are. Isn't that marvelous? Notice here Mary Magdalene in Mark 16 and 9 and in Luke chapter 8 and verse 2. We read that Jesus has cast seven devils out of this woman. I don't know if you've ever seen anyone with a demonic spirit. If you've come across them or near them or if you've seen them. But I have many a time. Well, quite a few times. Let me put it that way. This woman had seven. This woman was tormented. This woman was in a terrible state. Jesus cast them out of her. Mary Magdalene could never forget what Jesus had done for her. Brother and sister, God hasn't stopped being good, you know. Sometimes we just have stopped being grateful. God hasn't stopped being good. Sometimes we have stopped being grateful. We forget what he's done for us. And Mary Magdalene could not forget what Jesus had done for her. Her His love had reached her and rescued her. And the echo of the love of Christ in her heart would never die. And Mary is a perfect example of gratitude. What Christ has done, he set something in her. His love. And she had to be at the cross. And she is the one who comes running from the tomb. She is the one who comes running from the tomb. And then Mary, uh, the Lord's mother's sister is there, who we say, uh, many think of Salome. The mother of James and John here who writes the epistles. Notice, Salome was rebuked by Jesus in Matthew chapter 20 and verse 20. I want you to get this church. Salome was rebuked by Jesus in Matthew 20, verse 20. She says, Master, and I'll paraphrase it, when you're in your kingdom, will you let my sons, one sit in the right hand and one on the left? And the Lord says, can you be baptized with the same baptism that I am baptized with? And you know what he's saying? He wasn't just telling her, he was rebuking her. This is his aunt as according to the flesh. He's rebuking her. Salome was rebuked by Jesus, yet she was there. Salome saw love through the rebuke. 
And sometimes even, you know, sometimes we, we, we can say things that are harsh and, and things that aren't uh, too easy to swallow and people can get offended. But listen, sometimes an abuke in love is what sometimes people need to set them on the right course. But others fall away because they fall out with you because of it. Listen, if it's a rebuke in love, let, and someone comes to you with it, see the love through the rebuke. See the love through it. And here Salome has the echo of the love of Christ in her heart because he loved her enough to tell her the truth. He loved her enough to rebuke her. Oh, don't rebuke me. I don't like that. He loved her, so he rebuked her. In John 19 and verse 26, although Jesus was bearing such a great and an enormous load, bearing away our sins in his own body, although in pain and in agony, and although, let me take the words of uh, William Barclay on this. Notice on the cross he speaks of Jesus handing his mother over to John and John to his mother. William Barclay says, Even in the moment of his cosmic battle, he did not forget the simple things that lay near home. William Barclay called it a cosmic battle. A battle for the souls of men and women. A battle for the souls of men and women who if they died without Christ will go to a lost eternity, who died without Christ will end up in a lake of fire, battle for the souls of men and women uh, like Aaron Wilkins and Ken Davidson, Rebecca Wilson, and I can go on and on and on and on. And here he still remembers, even though all hell is against him, our sins are upon him, he still remembers things that are close to home. He's never unmindful of the little things, brother. Sister, why I'm literally doesn't, you'll not notice me. Brothers and sisters, he remembered us on the cross. Isn't that marvelous? Weren't even thought of for almost 2,000 years. But you see, he knew us in eternity past. (laughs) And he came to die for us. In 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. And notice what 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 3 says, but if any man love God, the same is known of him. If any man love God, the same is known of him. I just want to pause here in the meeting. And I know we're on Facebook Live and I know it's being recorded and I'll go on all the internet and I know all this. But listen, I'm unashamed of this. I just want to say, Father, I love you. I love you, Jesus. I love you, and I'm known of you. I love him. I love him. Unashamed and unafraid to say, Let's finish in Ephesians 3 for this morning. Turn with me, please. To Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17. It 
says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Notice, that ye being rooted and grounded in love. Isn't that beautiful? You see, if you're rooted and grounded in the love of Christ, if you're rooted and grounded knowing that you are the disciple or the Christian or the believer whom Jesus loved, yes, you're one of the others. And you, you may be the other disciple. And actually, it comes to the point where John says, that disciple whom Jesus loved. If you can realize that you are that disciple or that Christian or that follower, that believer, that you're that one, that man, that woman who Jesus loved, and you're rooted and you're grounded in love, you know, it'll take you very far. It'll take you to eternity because he's already in your heart. Now Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height. Notice this here, the word to comprehend. Now we know comprehend means we understand. The word here of comprehend means more than that. It means more than just to understand. We may comprehend it means to lay hold of so as to make one's own. <laughs> You're rooted and grounded in Christ that you may lay hold on that love. It means to take possession as your own. It means to seize the love of Christ. I'm telling you, see, sometimes when my heart is in my boots, do you see sometimes when I feel, do you know that old carnal man, the carnal woman? Do you know when you don't feel saved? It's a good job we don't go on feelings for our salvation, isn't it? Do you know when you feel unsaved? I lay hold that even though I am so Rubbish at this, Lord. I'm seizing that you love me. You love me. I am that disciple. I am that believer, that man. You can put yourself there. And Jesus loved. Listen, I've done it myself. I'm not condemning anybody, but I stand sometimes used to say all the time, well, on regular basis, Lord, do you still love me? Do you still love me? Oh, Lord, do you still love me? Come off it. What an insult to Christ and his cross. Do you still love me? Well, I died for you. I give my life's blood for you. The Father says, my son went all the way for you. And you're asking me, do I love you? Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me. Lay hold, grasp, to comprehend, to possess the love of Christ. Notice, and here it is in verse 18, it gives us the vastness of the love, the breadth, length, depth, height. 
What how broad is it? <laughs> how broad is the love of Christ? What is the breadth? What is the length? What is the depth? What is the height? Well, all I know is that it goes that way and that way, and neither the twain doth meet. I know it goes from the heavens down to the very lowest hell, and he still loves me. And in verse 19, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge. The idea is to apprehend it. Christian, apprehend it this morning. Brother, apprehend it this morning. Sister, apprehend the love of Christ this morning. Let it echo in your heart. Let it echo in your spirit. Let it echo in your mind. Let it echo in your soul. Apprehend it. Come on, brother. Apprehend it, sister. That he loves you. That he loves you. That he loves you. Verse 19 is the experience of it. Finishing. I'm going to have to do another part because I've still others to look at here. Ephesians chapter 2. Notice what it says. Verse 4. And you read from verse 1 down to 3. You'll read of us dead in our trespasses and our sins, not wanting to know him. Not even not wanting, just dead. Couldn't know him. Dead, dead, dead. You lived, you sinned, and you didn't care. You weren't worried whether there was a God or not. If there was a God or not, you didn't know. You just didn't care. You were dead. Tells us the sort of lifestyles that we all lived, well, most of us and many of us live, but all of us lived in a certain amount of sin in verse 3. And then verse 4, the light shines in the darkness. The light shines into the sinful heart. The light shines into you and into me, and it quickens us and makes us alive unto God. And it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, that whenever I was a sinner, God was rich in mercy to me, to you. God, it means it was wealthy in the sphere of his mercy. That I did not get that which I deserved. But God who is rich in mercy, notice, for his great love wherewith he loved us. Note the words here in one of the Greek translations tells us, it means, in order to satisfy his big heart of love for me, he sent his son to die. Can you get it? God has a big heart of love for you. A great big heart of love. In order to satisfy that love, verse 5, even when we were dead. Well, you were living, but you were dead toward God. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. <laughs> See the word quicken? Zapoyo. You know what it means? To reanimate. Reanimate. You know when you get the wee book and you draw the wee stick, man? 
There's his wee arm and his wee leg and his wee round head. His wee f- I'll do it this way. And you draw the next one, he's the wee hand up. Maybe out like this. And the leg out. And you flick them. Looks like he's walking, doesn't it? It's animation. Animation. You see, Adam walked with the Lord in the cool of the day. When Adam sinned, he died. Sin brought forth death. Separated from God forever. And the Holy Ghost comes. God, the Holy Spirit, in the new covenant. And he hits the dead heart. He quickens us and he makes us alive. He reanimates us that we see the Lamb of God, the Son bearing away our sin in his own body on the tree. The blood that he shed, we're standing because of the echo of that love at the foot of the cross. And we cry, Christ is for me. And it's Christ for me. We're alive again unto God. Verse 6 says he's raised us up together and made us to sit in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I am a child of God. Not perfect. I'm a child of God. When he sees me, when he looks at me, he sees me perfect. (laughs) You know why? Because he sees me through the medium of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. John says, I am the disciple whom Jesus loved. Brother, sister, you leave here this morning knowing that he loves you. Because in your dark times, your hard times, that's what will carry you through, knowing he loves you. Amen.